You are listening to inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary stuff. Welcome to the Doolanders. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Hey, Nick. Hey, Blake. How are you? I'm pumped up. Welcome to episode number... Seven. Seven. Oh, you... You got it right this time. Didn't need did. to actually look at your notes. I just did seven burpees, did seven star jumps, yep, and seven laps of the oval. How are you feeling? Pumped up, very excited, fit as a fiddle. Uh, getting there. This week's guest. Now I've got some notes on this week's guest, but uh, who is it? It'd be Caitlin Devadas, hmm. who I would suggest you know relatively well. So. Give us a little, give our listeners a little bit of a snippet about Caitlin before we launch into. Uh, oh, actually, before you do that, mm. this week's episode. Oh. If we had a sponsor, this week's sponsor would be a lifelong supply of Sorconi runners. For me, a fresh pair once a month. Once a month. Yep, it's a high turnover. Well, <laughs> I really like their runners. Oh, Do you think there's any chance we'll ever get a sponsor? Yep. Huge one. When? Um, episode 350. So we've only got... <laughs> some. <laughs> some to go. Okay. All right. Well, All right. This week's guest, Caitlin. Yep. Tell us a little bit about Caitlin and why our listeners are going to be inspired by Caitlin's story. Yep. Uh, so someone who decided, decided I wouldn't say, no, it's not late in life, but I suppose at a point in time when it seemed less likely yeah. that you would make a career change and probably the time when people are thinking, actually, I really wish that I'd done it five years earlier or now's probably not the right time. You give yourself every excuse as to why now's not the right time. I think Katie's story is really relevant to those people because you can make it work. And, uh, you know, she, went, she changed careers into a field that she had very little experience in except for p- participating in Yep. Um, and has really just made it work using her nous from one career and her expertise in that, transferring that across. And I think the feedback you'll get from people who attend her gym um, and her business partners, of course, is that you always get a smile no matter what. It's always bubbly personality. So... That's that's also a skill. That's, that is, um, yeah. That's a very challenging thing to uh, yeah. to deal with. And at the other end, when Caitlin gets home, do you always greet her with a smile? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I mean, she's often. Um, it, it's long hours. It is, um, and there's a lot more effort. Um, I think she mentions in this interview that it's ten percent of the work is done in front of people. Yeah. What people see. Yeah. And then they go about and worry about their lives. Yeah where she's fielding inquiries from, I would say, 6 o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, it's often people going, I have never exercised. It's been 20 years since I've exercised. I want to get into it. And she has to give them all the time of day. It's um, So she's always on. Um, but when you love that 10%, um, it's worth it. And speaking of love, just quickly before we get into it, the, this amazing story, she fell in love with you 
because you stalked her <laughs> for six months <laughs> by travelling up and down a lift you, in the hope that she would get into the lift. Is that right? No, it's not called stalking, and that's got a very negative connotation <laughs> about it. It's yeah. called lift surfing. Right. And it's a skill. It's an art. Yep. Uh, but it is true. We did meet in a lift system within a office city block. Yep. Uh, office block in the city, and uh, she worked on one floor. I worked on another in completely different companies, and we just kept on running into each other. And that's it. That is the love story. <laughs> that, wow. but the story's not about us. It's yeah. about her. Um, it is. It is. And not about, certainly not about lifts. But, yes, we did nickname each other Lift Girl and Lift Boy uh, for quite a while. And here's a story about doing some other lifting. Uh, here's, an, here's an inspiring story about how to uh, pursue something that you are passionate about, regardless of when that is within your career. Here's Caitlin. Hey, Katie, thanks for joining us on The Doolanders. Thanks for having me, boys. I've listened to your recordings, to your previous guests, and I'm pretty um, impressed by their stories and their ability to do. So hopefully I can talk about my do too. <laughs> Fantastic. And you've made, well, you've started brilliantly because you've gone with a rhyme up front and uh, we've always found that that works really well. Hey, um, just the ones that you've listened to so far, who was your favourite? Oh, I love Dan Ziffer. I found his voice particularly Nice to listen to and his story quite incredible. Humble but um, really interesting and quite funny. I did a lot of lolling in his interview. I love it. Lolling. For those that are... um, (laughs) Young. Old. Old, like, you know, Nick. uh, (laughs) Laugh out loud. So I'm going to dial back to March 2020, a point in time that uh, really changed not only Australia but changed the world. So... You're watching the news. Maybe you're watching the news. I don't know where you were. So where were you when you were told that you could no longer run your business the way that you had been running it and it had, you know, your business was absolutely flying at the time? Where were you? What was the news and what? how did you feel? Yeah, I remember the moment quite clearly. <clears throat> Tori, my business partner, and I had been talking throughout that Day. It was a Sunday about, mm, we might have to change direction a little bit, but who knows, everything's still up in the air. That Sunday night, I think I was in the bath at the time, during a, you know, quiet night, head of a big week, uh, when we found out that, um, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, that we could no longer operate, there'd be no people allowed in the gym. Um, so it was a really, really quick quick thinking, I guess we had to change the way we were going to run our business. Not running the business was not an option. We had worked too hard. It was, you know, pretty unknown at that time how long this lockdown was going to be. We knew though that if we changed quickly and adapted quickly and innovated that we could maintain our membership and keep people moving. So you run a gym? Yes. What's it called? Called Hustle and Thrive. We have two beautiful locations, one in Heidelberg, one in Thornbury, and um, delivering group fitness to the local community. Fantastic. So you're in the bath, you hear the news. With my wine. With your wine, and you go, okay, we've got to do something different. Yeah. What did you do? So Tori and I, Tori, my business partner, 
we had discussed this earlier that we, we knew we had to move to a virtual platform um, and we'd spoken earlier in the day what platforms we could use and we'd, you know, done a little bit of research. Facebook Live was an option, Google platforms. But in the end, we chose Zoom. Zoom gave us the ability to see people in their homes, to be able to communicate with them and at before and after each class as well, have them able to chat to us. And we thought this was the best option because communication and connectedness was going to be a big, big part of that first lockdown. No one knew what they were going into. It was all a little bit scary. Everyone's worlds were completely changed. Um, So we thought, well, if we can still talk to people, they can see us, we can see them. It feels a little bit normal and normality was what we were were seeking. It wasn't so much about the workout. It was about keeping people in routine, keeping people connected and they could still see their friends and the people that they'd normally work out with on a Monday at 6am and move forward that way. Yep. So how long have you been operating like that for? Yeah, so the first lockdown was essentially I think about 12 weeks, so mm. three months. Um, there was a gradual transition back for other businesses that they could open but gyms remained closed for, for a little bit longer. And in essence we were only open for a week and a half in the second stage where we were really restricted to about 10 people in studio and knowing that there was a f- level of fear and uncertainty, people didn't really want to come back into the gym. People were reluctant, they were nervous. So we kept up that virtual class option as well. For people who wanted to come in they could but um, virtual was still an option for many people. And I think we'll be a something that we maintain into the future hopefully things do go back to normal um but it's it certainly serves a purpose as well yeah you talked about um community and connection when when you look back over the stats of how many people have been on those zoom calls what's the record Oh, record. We had over, I think it was about 1,300 attendants in one week, which was which was great across wow. the two locations yeah. we've worked together. Um, it, and it's amazing. You know, yesterday morning we think we had about 80 people log on for a 30-minute strength class. During the week on, a, on an evening we might get 60 people in a step class. It's really awesome that people are still committed and engaged and still now we're seeing getting a good workout. And the other thing is two people are going, well, I can work out at home. There's no there's no option. I didn't like it in the past but um, this, is, this is our reality and might be our really reality for a while. But it also gives them flexibility, you know. Um, when we can re- revert back to a normal lifestyle, people are absolutely busy with jobs and work and families and it gives people another option. So I think being adaptable and flexible is important in any business as well. Yeah. So you've, you've entered a landscape that is now flooded. Yes. You've gone from in-location, uh, very much local, local community-based, now you're competing against... Uh, Chris Hemsworth and Sam Wood and yes. Les Mills, all mm. of the you know some of the heavyweights. Uh, why are people choosing? Because you, and you're getting new signups though. Why are they choosing you guys? Yeah, look, it, it, you know, at the start we were really nervous about competing against those guys because they have such schmick productions. They've got crews, they are set up, they that that is what they do. So that goes back to why we chose Zoom as our form of communication that we could deliver live virtual feeds. We could talk to people, we could watch their technique, we could still go hey, lift your head up. Oh, you can do that push up, do that extra one on your toes, Peter. Um 
Sally, you're doing really well. Let's push that a little bit further into the red zone. We know you can do it. You've got a 30-second sprint coming up. So being able to see them and identify with them and then being able to, you know, chat to them after class was was perfect. And I think that's where we've been different is that communication still exists and that as a fitness professional, you want to encourage people and you want to be able to refine technique without them getting injured. So being able to do that, it doesn't feel that different now. We've sort of sunk into this new reality quite well. You've been doing this for how many months did you say? So the first lockdown was three months yep. and now we've been a f- well, two weeks yep. essentially into our next one. You used to have a whole bunch of people running classes for you. Yes. Now it's you Yes. and Tori. Yes. How many classes have you done in the last four months, do you think? Oh, gosh, I wish I'd, I'd looked at that. Guess. Mm. Uh, so, essentially, we were, we were originally running a lot more classes because mm. we're trying to fit in with everyone's timetable. We <clears throat> have brought that back a little bit now, but oh, five, six, seven hundred classes yep. and we participated. We would coach one. There was always, always a coach leading a class yep. and um, talking to the people, to the clients, refining technique, encouraging people and one of us will always be participating in a class, so getting a workout. At the start, we were so excited that we're actually getting to work out. One of the biggest challenges when I started the business was not being able to work out yep. and I really, really miss that. Um so being able to work out again was really, really novel until maybe <laughs> 30 classes in. started yeah. getting pretty sore. Um, so, you've done, so you've done 700 classes and I will I'm fact told check that, but yes. I have, yeah, fact check. We'll, you know, put that into the show notes. Um, <clears throat> and I'm told you've got a bulging disc uh, in your neck. Yes. So, so all through last ice, I was getting really, really sore and I'm like, oh gosh, just getting getting sore. I, you know, woke up one day, could barely turn my neck. It um, progressively got sore and sore. So much so that the physio I'd been seeing said, you know what, this isn't improving. It's been, it's been a long time. Go, go and get yourself an MRI. So I did go and get that MRI and you know that there's a problem when the doctors are calling you uh, with an, with an, a scheduled appointment that you're not, it's sort of not in your hands anymore. So I get, I get the results pretty much immediately. Um, well, actually the MRI, the lady who took the MRI handed me a disc and goes, we don't usually give discs out but I think you'll need to hang on to this one. <laughs> Your doctor might need to see it. So, you know, I was I was aware that there was going to be an issue. Um, but it turns out that I have uh, a severe disc bulge. There, there's a moderate disc bulge. That they classify disc bulges as moderate or severe. I've got a severe disc bulge in uh, C C five. Um, that's your neck. That's my neck. Yep. Yes. So it's sort of impinging um, on my t- towards my spinal column, but. Uh, all is okay. It will require surgery at some point. Um, Between class 100,003 <laughs> and exactly. 100,004. I'm not sure that there's a great time to, to get this surgery, but uh, I have a follow-up appointment next week, so we'll know more then. Okay. So I guess my next question around that is like, so you get the news back in March, you have to think about how we're going to run this thing differently. You run the thing differently. You've gone and had to, you know, run the class yourself, you've done class after class after class, your neck's stuffed. Like, ha, like in terms of the resilience that you've had to have to keep this thing going, where do you, where do you get that from? 
Yeah, look, I think my my nature is pretty resilient. I've always been pretty resilient. I'm just just get up and do it and go for it. And you know, starting your own business, it's one of my biggest joys, but also probably one of the the biggest challenges. It um it it wasn't it was there was no choice. It's just get up and do it. Keep this running at all cost. So no choice for you. And I was going to say I could make Tori do all the classes though. That would be fun <laughs> and could. entertaining. <laughs> you could you could do that. Um, so no choice for you because you need to keep your business going. Correct. But you were saying to me earlier that you know the the business is all about community and connection. So it's also about keeping going for them, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And to be honest, a big part of, I think, me getting through ISO has been able to, I've I've felt really incredibly connected. It actually hasn't been too bad for me because I've been able to see people. I've been able to chat to people. I get out every day to the gym. uh, So I actually feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, H&T and, and, physical fitness and health and wellness and creating a community and uh, that's, you know, connected and, and all about, you know, positivity and um, living your best life. That that wasn't your initial goal in your life. Your, from what I'm told, your initial goal in life was to, as an 18-year-old, was to own a ute and fang <laughs> around um, – it's the country, country Victoria. Absolutely. So, absolutely. I love my Toyota Hilux. I grew up in Ballarat um, and when my dad was teaching me to drive, he's a good country bloke, he said, you are not learning in an automatic car and you will drive this ute which has no power steering. So, uh, off we went through the shopping centre and, um, and uh, yeah, my ute was my first great love. <laughs> Your first great love. <laughs> so you went through school and like from a career perspective, it wasn't about health and fitness originally. It was something no, else. No, So I, uh, I went to university and I did a business degree. I majored in marketing and management. I graduated with distinction. I was the ducks of my cohort. I had various jobs in tr- uh, tourism sector and education is where I sort of ended up. But my jobs, I, I kind of never loved the jobs. I really loved the people I yeah. was around and my energy came from the people mm. I was working with and had incredible amount of fun, probably too much fun. But um, I guess I'd always been driven to fitness though because of the way it made me feel. What do you mean by that? It made me feel good. So on good days I'd exercise, on bad days I'd exercise. It was – yeah, it's – I don't know, exercise for me is just one of those things I'd always done. Whether I was <clears throat> growing up in Ballarat as a young kid, we led. I was the youngest of three girls. It was a pretty independent lifestyle back then. You know, we had a lot of freedom. Yeah. I mean, Ballarat's not super country, but, it, you know, we had a lot of freedom just to roam and do our own thing. And I guess activity and sport, you know, thinking back formed a big part of that. And it always made me feel good and happy and centred. Well, did you ever consider health, fitness, anything in that sort of area from a from <coughs> school and uni days? I, I actually remember in oh, – I was year 9, year 10 when we were choosing subjects for school. I remember saying to my mum, oh, you know what, I think I just – I just want to work in fitness. And then in that same breath I said to her, nah, I should go to uni though, I should, shouldn't I? 
And um, and I and I chose to do that. There was certainly no pressure or you know demand for me to do anything in particular. My parents were were great like that. Um, but I chose to go to uni, and I'm really really happy I did. And obviously, my business knowledge and background and experience in different settings and in big corporations has helped me to where I am today in my business. Um, the one thing I guess about the business is, for me, the coaching part, which is the bit that I love forms probably, I don't know, 10% of the actual reality of the time. The rest of it is a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So the business, the marketing, the finances, the admin, the sales, the, the you know, the everything but the but being in studio. So It would be great to be able to flip that. <laughs> kind of, we kind of are in COVID times actually. Yeah. <laughs> so talk us through that. 20-year process from uni mm. days to uh, having three kids with some dude and uh, but it never quite marrying up that, yep, I definitely want to pursue fitness. Um, you tried a few other things in between then? Yeah, um, I did. I did dabble in a few few different areas. I, I guess I just never found what I was looking for in, in office jobs and what I didn't like about my corporate stuff was that I was contained – for a long time and I just sought out the friendships in those in those workplaces. I was always a person who was organising lunchtime runs or lunchtime, do you want to start a team? Do you want to start a netball team? Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to be my buddy? Do you want to, I don't know, go and have a hit of tennis? So it was and, – and working at a uni, there was always great facilities that that was accessible. Um, so at some point – so after having three – kids realized that I really didn't want to go back to that and it was it was time consuming and there was no point in doing something that I was only sort of half interested in um I don't know I, I remember doing some hit classes and going wow I don't know whether I really loved that or really hated that it made me feel horrible and good all at, at the one time and then I went you know what this has been something that's been pretty consistent through my life so fitness is fitness it is let's just get let's give this a whirl I didn't. I didn't have a particular moment, or it was just something. I'm a so bit you of didn't. You didn't come home one day from your marketing gig and look Nick in the eyes and say, "Hey, I'm doing fitness from here on." Ah, uh, no. I think it was a natural, a natural progression. I'd. Um, I at the time. I after finishing my my marketing gig I was studying interior design and that was kind of fun but I just kept thinking about you know what I just want to be active I want to be around people I think interior design for me would have been too insular um I wanted to be around people I'm a people person um people give me a bit of energy I hope I give people energy back so talk to us about H&T and what you, you've created and I guess you know, what you hope, hope to create in the future. Yeah, so H&T, so Tori and I both loved fitness but we knew that there's more to, to fitness than just a facility where you go and train. We knew that it was about community and connectedness and whether that was for people who were super athletic and really wanted to push themselves or people who – you know, had been out of exercise for a long time or had never really been exercises. We wanted to create a place that gave them value. Um, often fitness is gets spoken of aesthetically, 
but really it's the way it makes you feel that is powerful with is fitness. That, is that aesthetic stuff mostly coming from your husband when he's looking <laughs> in the mirror or very very often yeah. but you know it's it's how it's what's in magazines or social media it's Every always seen absolutely with it. Flooded but, with it. but the the aesthetic stuff is not the powerful thing about fitness it is the mental benefits or the little challenges overcome how do you deal with that with clients who would be flooded with those images in instagram <laughs> facebook those sorts of things um, and who are coming to you with perhaps they're starting off and saying, effectively showing you a picture of someone else on Instagram saying, that's what I want to look like. How do you turn that person into a more community-minded? Yeah, look, I don't think it's about – I think it's about understanding each client and each client is really, really different. We'll have different goals and different, um, you know, abilities and it's understanding them and what makes them – able to move and able to exercise and getting the most out of each individual person. At H&T we don't have mirrors in our studio which a lot of people find good um, because they don't feel nervous, they don't feel judged, they don't have to stand at the back or hide at the back. Um, We know, for those of you who've done a a high-intensity class or a HIIT class, you're just focusing on getting through. You're not worrying about the person around you. It's just about hoping that you can breathe yeah at the end of round two and Just and wait on. there's round three and a finisher yeah which is so much fun it's really fun when you stuff up the timings and you tell everyone it's the last one and, it, and it's really not yeah one of my favorite things people do hate you for that but that's okay <laughs> hey i genuinely don't mean to do it though i'm no. like oh sorry my notes are wrong sure you don't so are there any stories out of the community that you, that you'd love to share with us just oh, what people have done in terms of, you know, where they've started when they've joined H&T and perhaps where they are today. You don't need to share any any names. Yeah, but is yeah there, of course. Is there stuff that, you know, helps you get out of bed in the morning? Oh, look, there's so many stories and, and everyone's story is vastly different. Um, you know, there's a beautiful lady who was struggling to move – um, had never really been to a gym at all in her life, um, found us through a friend of a friend, gave us, you know, participated in a trial, which was I think a three-week trial, and by that end of the three weeks said, I just feel like I can finally come to a place where I'm not judged but I'm I'm feeling better about myself. And at that point she had no real physical changes. It was just that mental change. Since then she's gone on to be incredibly fit, probably turns up six days a week, has training for a first half marathon and is just absolutely happier than ever. Yeah, what a fantastic story. And, you know, uh, full disclosure, I've been to this H&T on the odd occasion and the the thing I love about it is that it is full of amazing stories of people that are just going there to um, get their daily dose of happiness because you do wander out of there going, geez, I feel prepared for the day ahead um, because of that, one, the community and two, the exercise that you're doing. So for, for people that have continued to struggle to get consistent um, exercise or wellness activities in their lives, what would your advice be? Yeah, there's no blanket approach. I think variety is key. Not 
you know, there's no formula. Just because one person loves their hip type training and the other person loves their Pilates, we try and offer a variety to suit different people. And at different stages of your life, you need different things too. And I'm beginning to realise that with injury, that formats that I'd previously gone, mm, not for me, yep. so, you know, Pilates, the slower type movements um, are, are, you know, important and that, it's it's suiting me and and my requirements that you can't be copied and pasted. So offering variety and the ability to do a hit class or a spin class or a Pilates class or a strength based class is is important. And that variety is what um, I guess gets people interested. And then as they get more comfortable, they you know try new things and um, seek new experiences or have the courage to try the run club that they might never have considered before or participate in a community event or you know Melbourne in particular has so many events that they run um that we try and you know within within our small community try and get people to embrace and try try new things great advice um so where are we what are we we're in July and who knows Mm. how long this situation could go for it could go for you know a number of months so when you think about your business moving forward what's next do you have a a clear picture or have you got some ideas on on how you'll shape it over the coming months and into next year yeah look it still is really uncertain but I don't think we're going to go back to how things were for any you know, in any short term. So certainly continuing with the virtual classes. We um, One of the things that we did do as well when, uh, you know, we had to resort to virtual training was, lo- uh, you know, provide everyone with equipment so, anyone, so everyone could use the steps at home or the dumbbells and stuff like that. So we wanted to be able to offer all those formats. So we gave people the best option that they could to keep motivated and keep exercising, which just goes back to that foundation that, Moving and exercise is far more than the physical. It's mental and so important for everyone. Um, certainly, though, moving forward, I, I do foresee a lot of virtual on the horizon. I think everyone is busy and being able to offer that is good and that is great for us too because it means that we can uh, expand to markets that we possibly hadn't considered before, before it was very, very local. And we're a little bit more competitive against some of those bigger gyms that have the big brand behind them but haven't been as able or easily able to adapt to the change in circumstances as we've been able to so it's been really really good and exciting great and actually really fun yeah yeah you've enjoyed that well it's just given us more opportunity yeah yeah Yeah. feels like more of a level playing field yeah it does uh we were you know we didn't miss a class you know a lot of the bigger players missed a good couple of weeks. I've been cottoned on to what was happening and um, then restarted offering virtual classes. Um, we, we were we're really proud of the fact that we didn't miss a class. We haven't missed a class. In fact, we added lots more on. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the 700 classes you've done in that period I really, of time. I've really got to fact check that. It's all right. Um, we'll go 800. Let's go. <laughs> wow. It could be more. So there are 1.2 million small businesses in Australia mm. and, and so many of them are going through so much change right now. What would your advice be to those small businesses that you know, they own the business, they're, 
they're in it, they're up to their neck in just trying to survive. Mm. Um, what would your advice be to those people as they grind through this thing on a day-to-day basis, hoping that there's some light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, it's it's tough and obviously some industries it's been a lot easier to adapt than others and I think we're lucky in fitness. But I guess you just got to throw out any preconceived ideas of what you've done in the past, of what you've had and just be creative. Look at what you've got. Um, look at how accessible things are with the internet, with social media and look at how willing people are to embrace small business, particularly in community, in local community. People want their small businesses and the local community wants other small businesses to succeed. So kind of get out there, try new things, even though it feels hard. Um, you just never know. It could be a, a bigger opportunity. Great advice. Nick, Blake, you're lucky. I am lucky. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Hey, thank you, Katie, so much for uh, sharing your story with us. It is uh, – I'm, I'm lucky. I've sort of watched this from um, a video screen, how you've been able to you know, adapt your business and keep a whole bunch of people, that community that you talk about, connected and really focused on um, – helping people through this period of time it has been absolutely inspiring i know that you know my my wife amelia is a a, a, an addict of um amelia hasn't missed a a 6am class through both rounds of iso she is probably done more classes than i have to be honest (laughs) maybe she has but uh, look it takes a certain type of person to have the resilience to keep on keeping on and um to ensure that you have you know changed what you do to make sure that you are looking after that that community so um well done great work get your neck fixed yes <laughs> thanks blake and uh thank you for being on the Doolanders. oh thanks for having me boys such a pleasure thank you katie thanks me You've seen a, you've seen all of this story play out, haven't you? I have. I'm lucky. I am lucky, actually, Blake. I, <laughs> Hang on, you are lucky. Yes, I am. I've had, oh, I have. I've had front row seats to this whole thing. Yeah, as it's unfolded. And um, look, I suppose, I guess everyone sees the that ten percent. It's the bit where you're out the front, um, and you know, her and her training group are. Uh, you know, inspiring and performing and it's all sort of melded into this this hour of power for the clients. Yeah. And it's all about making sure that they have a fantastic experience when they walk, from the minute they walk in the door. And in fact, even when they're not in the door because they've had all these online groups to motivate and keep people engaged in fitness. Yeah. And it takes a huge amount of effort. And I think that's probably the bit that is missed that if you want to care about every single client that you have, and Katie and Tori both and all of the trainers do care an awful lot about every single client, that takes a ton of effort. And it doesn't matter whether you are 20 or 60 or 70 or whatever, everyone has different issues in their life um, which affect each of them individually and they have to be on the ball all the time to make sure they uh, respond to inquiries in an appropriate way and give inspiration and encouragement when it's required, and that takes a ton of effort. Have you, like, is Katie different from when she was 
a marketer or was studying design? Like, do you see that she's, you know, more invested in her business and that she, because she's more passionate about yep. building this community and helping people within their lives? So obviously she cares an awful lot more about her own business than yeah, she would, you of know, you know a, a salaried job. Yeah. Um, but her confidence has changed. Right. That's probably the big thing, you know, maybe oh, to put it, how would you put it? I guess she, uh, she wasn't a, she definitely wasn't a backseat, you know, player or anything like that. But now that she's out front and she's the face of the business along with, with Tori, of course, um, the confidence that that's given her to uh, make decisions about her business, about her clients, all of those sorts of things has been huge for her as a, a person who it's not maybe not constant. She's probably more outgoing. Yeah, that's probably what I was uh, searching for originally. Yeah, and I'd imagine, given the freshness of the business, that you know what's it been six, eighteen months or something like that. Yeah, now two years. Two years now. Yep. She's uh, went quick. Yeah, that. It's 24-7, seven days a week. Yep. Is it all on all of the time? Is Katie able to balance what she's trying to build in terms of that community and do everything else that she needs in order to, um, you know, be part of this hive – or actually to live up to all of your demands? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I reckon prior to – uh, all these lockdowns happening, yeah. she was getting to the point where she'd done a lot of the really, really hard yards. So they started in March of 2018 yeah. and her facility didn't open or her location didn't open until the end of that year, whereas Tori's was already mm. you know, ready to go. So she'd been doing a lot of groundwork to get her location up and running. She finally gets it up and running and she has a little less than 18 months of having the doors open, having members signing up. And so she had this huge amount of momentum coming into 2020. And the goal for this year was to get the memberships up to a certain level where she could hire more people in so she didn't have to do so many classes. And 75% of all classes she would actually instruct. Some of those, you know, is expected, you know, yeah. she would have to do and she loves doing it. Um, but doing uh, – she would have done weeks upon weeks of five o'clock starts and, you know, that, that takes its toll. So – she was just getting to that point and then lockdown happened. So there's another surge of adrenaline. It's kind of like yeah. starting a new business again. Yeah. Uh, it was the Katie and Tori show again, <laughs> just doing it uh, in one location, doing their filming and, and all of that. Um, and then, uh, so she hasn't really been able to uh, enjoy the fruits of her labor, so to speak. It's just been this now yeah. nonstop, uh, you know, three, four months now. Nonstop doing. Mm. And there's probably a bit more of that to come given the situation that we're still in, uh, re-COVID. But you know what? I can't wait to see what uh, Katie does next. I think it'll be super uh, exciting for the community that she's created. Yep, and that community's now actually gone outside of the local bounds and that's one of the – probably the most amazing thing that's happened out of the lockdown for Katie and Tori's business is that it, it used to be you had to come to a facility. Yeah. Now they've got people who – uh, you know, friends who don't live in the area or people who have moved away from the area. They've got people in Adelaide, I think Perth, uh, maybe even a few uh, relatives who are dialing in from other sides of the globe yep. where in the past they didn't have that sort of reach. So they're now working on plans of, well, if this is going to be a long ongoing thing, 
how do we make this a unique online experience? So that's going to be pretty exciting to see unfold. That is exciting. And also it's you're not just engaging the, the individual person within the community. Uh, Cuddy's also expanding to provide uh, services to businesses, right? Correct. And, and yeah. to, to corporates. So uh, those corporates can help their business or their, their team uh, remain healthy throughout this per- uh, period of time. Yep, absolutely. Exciting stuff. Well, uh, Landers, that is it for this week's episode. Hope you got a whole lot out of that. Nick's holding up uh, one hand and two fingers. So that was episode seven. Is that right, Nick? <laughs> yep, you can count. I can. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks See you next Landers. time. Bye-bye.